0: Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trolsen Legal Visionaries podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trolsen Law Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. My name is Mary Vandenack. I'm CEO, founding and managing partner of Vandenack Weaver Trolsen LLC. And I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about closely held businesses, tax, trusts, estates, legal technology, law firm leadership, law practice management, and well-being. First, I do want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and the Foster Group. Here's a message from Interactive Legal.
0: And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of Interactive Legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. You don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to InteractiveLegal.com and click on Request a Demo. Wealth Planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
1: On today's episode, my guest is Laura Sass. Laura is an estate planning attorney in New York City serving high net worth clientele. Today, we are going to talk about Section 1202 strategies in estate planning. You can also hear Laura on previous episodes of Legal Visionaries talking about family limited partnerships and dynasty trusts. We are also going to do a future episode covering estate planning and cryptocurrency.
2: Welcome back, Laura. Thank you, Mary, for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you on the podcast.
1: Well, I really appreciate you joining us again. Today, we are going to discuss Section 1202 strategies. Can you start with an explanation of what Section 1202 is and why anyone should care? Sure.
2: Section 1202 is a section of the Internal Revenue Code that promotes investment in certain small businesses by enabling investors to exclude eligible capital gains from qualifying small business stock, or QSBS. This provision provides an immense opportunity for founders and investors of small businesses in fields such as technology, retail, and manufacturing to exclude up to
1: 100% of eligible capital gains. So are there certain types of business that are not eligible for the exclusion?
2: Yes. Unfortunately, businesses in the industries of hospitality, finance, mining, and farming are not eligible for Section 1202 treatment.
1: So if you're the founder of a company that is internet-based and selling similar to Amazon or something, you're eligible for the exclusion. But if you create a farming operation, you're not. You got it. I'm just the messenger. Oh, I'm, yeah, I was just clarifying. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> My, I remember the first day in practice, somebody saying, if you're expecting logic from the tax law, then just give up. You got it. So you said that capital gains are excluded up to 100% for small businesses. What are the rules about how much can be excluded?
2: So as of September 28th of 2010, gains from QSBS sales are eligible for 100% exclusion from U.S. federal capital gains tax, the alternative minimum tax, and the 3.8 net investment income tax. For QSBS that was issued before September 28th of 2010, 1202 provides a
1: 50% or 75% exclusion from taxes. So you say there's 100% exclusion, but is there a cap on how much can be excluded?
2: There is a cap of $10 million or 10 times the initial investment into the small business.
1: So are there rules about how long the small business stock must be held for the exclusion?
2: Yes. In order to be eligible for these capital gains exclusions, the QSBS must have been held for at least five years. If it has been held for more than six months, but less than five years, the U.S. tax code allows for tax-free gains if the funds are reinvested into the business within two
1: months. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors.
0: If you had a dollar for every financial advisor that just wanted your money, your financial future would already be secure. At Foster Group, our team is different. One whose focus is on you and your dreams. Together, we'll create a strategy that helps you get there, wherever there is for you. Foster Group, your financial life truly cared for connect with us at fostergrp.com foster group's written disclosure brochure as set forth in part 2a of form adv discusses advisory services and fees is available at www.fostergrp.com
1: okay let's continue our episode so are there any other requirements of which we should be aware
0: There are a whole host
2: of requirements. So under section 1202, the taxpayer must have received the stock as an original sale in exchange for money, property, compensation or services, not for the exchange of stock. The business must be an eligible C corporation and have been an eligible C corp at the time of issue sale and throughout the entire holding period.
1: So if you create a partnership and convert to a C-corporation, that's not eligible? Right. Okay. What else? During the stockholder's
2: holding period, the small business must be actively engaged in a qualified business and use 80% of assets to conduct qualified trades. The total assets of the business up before and until the issuance
1: of the stock must be less than $50 million. And I just want to emphasize that it must be less than 50 million at the time that the stock was issued, right? As opposed exactly. to one of the advantages of this section is that if the value of the business or that stock goes up to 200 million, you can still use 1202 as long as it was issued when the value was less. Correct? Yes. At one point. Okay. Yep.
2: It's up before and until the issuance. Okay. Um, so moving on, the small business must not have repurchased any stock within two years, beginning one year before the stock issuance date. And finally, the small business must not have repurchased any stock from the taxpayer or parties related to the QSBS claims within four years, beginning two years before the stock issuance date.
1: And right now, when we talk about Internal Revenue Service, Section Section 1202, we're talking about federal tax. Then we also have 50 state tax systems and actually some international systems, among other things that apply. Do all of the states follow this section 1202? So let's say if you live in a high tax state, are you still going to get the benefit of that deduction on your state tax return?
2: Unfortunately, not every state does. And that's an important point. While most jurisdictions, including New York State and New York City, abide by the federal income tax policies for QSBS exclusions, some states such as Pennsylvania and California don't follow the federal income tax treatment for QSBS.
1: So you kinda need to look at where you live and maybe you relocate before you
2: stop the (laughs) stock. Exactly.
1: (laughs) It's been interesting on some of these interviews, learning some of the different quirks of various state laws. It's true. With Section 1202, it's a huge advantage for a lot of times founder shares, investors with large shares in the QBS, QSBS stock. They can, but there are also strategies to increase the exclusions. So we talked about that cap. There's a $10 million cap, which is a per taxpayer cap, correct? Correct. That is
2: right. So, Section 1202 establishes that multiple shareholders are each entitled to their own QSBX exclusion up to $10 million. So, a shareholder can file for QSBS exclusion even if they're not the original founder or investor. And there are certain eligibility requirements for this process. Taxpayers who receive their QSBS through certain transfers including non-taxable transfers by gift, partnership, and death are eligible to receive QSBS exclusions. Taxpayers who gain QSBS through taxable or secondary transactions are actually not eligible. Um, Because of all this, there are various strategies that can be employed to multiply, as you said, the QSBS exclusions. And these include making gifts to another individual, which could include a child, a parent, or another relative, gifts to a non-grantor trust. And that is a trust that is basically a separate taxpayer and gifts to charitable remainder trusts.
1: So I can set up a non-grantor trust for one of my children, another non-grantor trust for my niece, a non-grantor trust for somebody else, and get three more $10 million exclusions potentially?
2: You got it. You have to be careful because the IRS has certain rules about duplicating beneficiaries, but the way you laid it out where you have three separate beneficiaries of these trusts,
1: that's the way to do it. So what wouldn't work is if I have three kids and I set up three trusts exactly identical, all three kids are beneficiaries of each of these trusts, and I'm trying to get another $10 million exclusion, and the trusts are all the same, that probably doesn't work. You just ran afoul of the rules. So I noticed that you keep using the term gifts in this discussion. So what does that mean in the context of 1202? I'm noting the list of requirements to qualify includes must have received the stock as an original sale. So is the gift essentially an exception to that?
2: Yeah, so the... Internal Revenue Code actually doesn't provide guidance regarding the exact meaning of transfers by, quote, gift as it pertains to 1202. And the meaning of gifts has been debated in court. And most people agree that QSBS received as a gift is eligible for QSBS exclusions as long as the donor intended it as a gift and the recipient is a taxpayer treated separately for income tax purposes.
1: So you can, that's why, and so we call this 1202 stacking, that you can, if you've been very fortunate and had significant gains in some stock, can set up a variety of strategies and get the 10 million, essentially more than once. But you are, I'm just going to point out, in most cases, really giving it away, so if I you set are. up a trust share, so I'm using, So who that makes sense for is somebody who has an estate tax exposure, which this year is twelve million plus little times two, right? If they're married, so
2: twelve. That, that's exactly right. They have to be willing to part with those assets in order to multiply that gain exclusion.
1: Well, do you have any last thoughts on twelve oh two for us today, Laura?
2: I do. I would just like to stress that in order to maximize the potential benefits of 1202, eligible founders and investors should really begin the estate planning process at the earliest stage possible. There are various treasury regulations that I mentioned earlier regarding multiple beneficiaries and the avoidance of federal income tax, so the process does require very careful and detailed planning. Finally, I do want to thank you again, Mary, for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: It's always a pleasure to have you, Laura. As we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and The Foster Group. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases.
0: About any legal needs or questions you may have.
1: Ahura Media Production.